Hello and welcome to Read It For The Pictures, the comic book podcast where we read it for the pictures. I'm Dave Clark, and we're on the air taking your calls. Alright, line four, uh, Neil, you're on the air, what's up? Hi, do you have Prince Albert in a can? What? Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Uh, I'm afraid your reference is a little bit too obscure for me. Then you'd better let him out. Oh, dear. Uh, Okay, so this week we have Captain America Steve Rogers 25 by Nick Spencer, Jesus, Saez, and a bunch of other dudes. We'll discuss that other dudes thing in the podcast. We also have The Divided States of Hysteria, number three by Howard Chaikin. Yeah, um, bit of a weird week, this one. Um, when we were going through the solicits and trying to pick stuff that we wanted to talk about, we coincidentally both chose comics that we suspected would have really weird politics. One being about uh, America falling apart due to infighting and a terrorist attack, and one about a Nazi Captain America. Oh, but Captain America is Schrodinger's Nazi because the amount he is or isn't a Nazi depends on who's telling it to Marvel and which response will make Marvel look better. I guess. Suffice to say, in a few years, if you mention Nazi Cap, this will be the story that you're refer- people will think you're referring to. But yeah, this um episode also... We're recording this the day of, or after, depending on your time zone, of the neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville, which sort of made these books a little bit, a little bit harder to talk about, to be honest. Well, we've already got complaints that we go into politics too much. Yeah, we we um, sort of chose these. We got a review that we maybe talk a little bit too much about politics, and we thought this would be a fun way to rib the person who left that review. And maybe we do bit... it because we love you. Yeah, well, maybe a little bit less fun now. But we're going. Well, my general gonna... perspective is that when you're dealing with works that are so explicitly political, trying not to bring up politics is just doomed to fail, especially when politics have a way of getting interested in people, even if people aren't interested in politics. Yeah, never been a big fan of the keep politics out of art whole idea. But yes, suffice to say that the whole situation the situation in charlottesville where uh there was a neo-nazi rally and then an eventually a counter-protest by anti-fascist protesters and where several were injured and one died because one racist decided to drive their car into a crowd it's terrible and we're not well, we're going to keep recording the show, and we're 
and we'll have a link to a GoFundMe where which is raising money for the people that were uh, injured in the show notes. And also, we're not going to lose sight of the fact that these people are fucking ridiculous. No, we're not. Between between, uh, this one asshole baked Alaska shouting, I need milk, I need milk, after being pepper sprayed, or the fact that there was an explicit order for overweight Nazis to stay home because they make the movement look bad, or the fact that they were wearing sub-Comic-Con cardboard like shields and armor like a oh oh and if not that they were dressed in like like Apollo shirt and khakis because apparently yeah. that's the new uniform but yes yeah. the basement dwellers have apparently come out from the basements and joined up with neo-nazis yes and if any of this offends you then you can and you think perhaps we're not portraying their ideas or your ideas correctly, then take a screwdriver and jam it into your jugular. But yes, Captain America 25. This was your pick, Neil, so why don't you try and explain the plot of this? Okay, I've been following Nick Spencer's Captain America for a bit. I trailed off one shortly after he made Steve Rogers believe he was a Nazi. Because while I was willing to give the plot twist the benefit of the doubt at first, they they spent so much time showing how Nazi Cap is still this noble, flawed idealist who does still only want the best for people and just happens to believe that subjugating them is the best. And now we've gotten into the Secret Empire crossover where Nazi Cap has literally taken over the world. And this comic focuses mainly on Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, a.k.a. the separate but equal Captain America, who's leading the resistance. And the cover of this shows both Captain Americas facing off in a pretty iconic and well-composed shot. But if you're expecting that to actually happen in this tie-in comic to the main event series, it won't. Yes, this is the even worse than the first page problem where the thing on the cover doesn't happen till the very end. This is the thing on the cover not happening at all. Yes. We have gone from wait to the for the trade to wait for the absolute edition released in hardcover like a few years later because that really does a good job of weeding out the comics that are badly paced but actually good when you read it collected and ones that are just badly paced yeah um we um we you mentioned that this was done by Jesus Sayers and a bunch of other guys. Well, the credits say artists Jesus Sayers with Joe Bennett and Joe Pimentel, color artist Rochelle Rosenberg. Usually, Jesus Sayers is a bit unique in among American superhero artist because he does the penciling, inking, and coloring all himself, and it 
looks pretty impressive and slick when it's all him. But this, you can tell that the art changes at various points. Like when Nazi Cap in his green M. Bison uniform is giving his speech about how the world needs discipline and how Wakanda, the Black Panther's nation, has weapons of mass destruction and needs to be crushed. You can see from the line work that it's there's a bit lot more hatching than usual. Just like how during the fight scene with the Inhumans and the X-Men against the forces of Nazi Cap, the art is just kind of a bit more angular and rounded. Definitely detriments from this like when you see the black panther's face he's got this very large and wide nose that i don't think i've ever seen him drawn like before yeah i um i can't speak for yeah i can't speak to that but the biggest diff, like the biggest um change in art is i think it's the second page it's like a full page splash of captain america at his p- podium and like it almost looks like a variant cover, like it's, like it's like a, almost fully like digital painted, and then you turn the page and it's like, basic like comic stuff with like inking and cross hatching. Well, the painted style is what sizes art usually looks like, so I guess they were trying to get this done on. A deadline without going to exclusively filler artists, but that's kind of been what's happening with the main Secret Empire book and a lot of the tie-ins, where they're just getting whoever will show up to draw, regardless of how it affects the quality or narrative flow. Yeah, it it can be tempted to tr- to try and evaluate the creators on a comic or any creative work for that matter, separately. And we could say, oh, the pages that we think were done by this artist are good in this way, and the ones done by this other artist are good in another way. But I think it's just best to treat the whole creative team as one entity and not try and break down who made what decisions, not not to get too hung up on that. But yeah, uh the first thing I want to talk about with the art is this X-Men section, which is a bit of a strange one. As near as I can tell, it's supposed to take place in King Zorn's throne room. Which looks kind of identical to the Black Panther's throne room. Yeah, they, uh, there's two throne rooms in this discussion, but it seems that Zorn's is taking place entirely inside a flaming red void. Yeah, it's um, an interesting way to show chaos, which, it, I don't know, perhaps it works better for regular readers, but it opens with a shot of Ultron robot shooting lasers, followed by some blonde X-Men being pulled around by Angel, I'm guessing, and then cutting to, I think it's Psylocke kicking some yeah. guy in a skull mask in the head. And then we cut over to a guy dressed like a scorpion. And then there's a blue dude who's got energy coming out of his chest. 
and then a green lady. Yeah, that's Havoc, Cyclops' brother. Yeah, they um they seem to want to draw all of the X Men in this. But um This isn't even a fraction of all of the X Men says that is to say. Yeah, it's um hard to get a grip on where everything is in this X Men scene because it's like one panel's beast lunging and then another panel is uh two other random dudes fighting two other random bad dudes. And then at the end of the page, um, Beast has a sword to his neck being held by a dude in a red mask who hasn't been seen up until then. I guess we're just supposed to read him as, yep, another one of Hydra's bad guys. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he's got a handbook entry. But yeah, we, we all do. We cut from right. from that. We cut to the Black Panther side of things, which is made easier since, like, it's they only really have to show Black Panther and not fifty X Men hanging around doing stuff. So I guess that King Zorn's place is the nation slash ghetto that the X Men have received in this New World Order, but it's like you say, it's not entirely obvious except for the caption. New Teon, and the fact that there's a bunch of characters we recognize as X-Men. Well, they do have a skyscraper in a throne room, so I don't know So does T'Challa. The Black Panther also has a skyscraper in a throne room. The only difference between the establishing scene there is that, I guess, the palette's a little lighter, the characters are different, and they're... There's a bunch of, like, tentacled helicarrier things that I assume are hydras. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, without the caption and Black Panther, I wouldn't necessarily read this as... Like, it, it could... Yeah. I don't know. A little bit of a generic sci-fi city. But, um... I realize that these are the tie-ins, so by design, nothing of value is happening here. But... It's still, like, there's four pages for each of the cities being taken over by Hydra. And there's no real character moments that add add any narrative weight to the plot. I should note that this comic was $5 in U.S. currency. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. There's about 31 pages of story, and we didn't even get to see the two Captain Americas fight. So I apologize for recommending this. Yeah, um, this being a tie-in to a bigger story, I imagine in a previous issue, they outlined like the details for this assault on Wakanda and... New TN, the X-Men, X-Men home, and I'm guessing they ended with it's all like it's absolutely almost certain that these two cities will fall to the forces of Nazi Captain America, and then you get this issue, and where they both say yes, we we have fallen to the forces so of Nazi Captain America. They took eight pages of meaningless fighting to show what we know by genre convention would happen because pretty sure that it wasn't going to be Black Panther who finally takes down Nazi Cap. 
and I'm pretty sure it wasn't going to be the X-Men who get that privilege, so... Yeah. I guess, comparing the two, the takeaway is that if you're going to have a scene where someone surrenders, you should, like, try and have focus the scene on that person and not have a million yahoos, like, cutting between the actions of them. This is very much a million yahoos comic. Yes. Uh, following those two surrender scenes, we have Captain America giving an allegedly inspiring speech to a bunch of yahoos. Different yahoos. To be fair, this is Sam Wilson, Captain America, and the yahoos oh, include yes. the Avengers like Hawkeye and Blue Iron Man, which I guess we should point out because you were confused by this at first. Yeah, I remember I messaged you during the week saying, okay, it's a tie-in issue to a big event comic. I can handle this. The cover shows two Captain Americas staring angrily at each other. How hard could this be to understand? And then I open the cover and there's a glowing blue Iron Man with a birthday cake. And it's like, okay, I've missed some stuff. Well, apparently this is not Tony Stark, but an AI Tony that was created to function while the real one is in a coma from the events of Civil War II, which is why he can't blow out the birthday candle, because he's just a hologram animating an empty suit of armor. Oh, I get it. But still. Yes. um... It's... It's getting harder and harder to find much to like about this comic. Well, and I was... I'm not even sure why I assumed they would actually have a fight between the Captain Americas. Maybe I thought it'd be a losing fight in which Nazi Cap beats up Sam and that, so that they can have another round in the finale, but we don't even get that. They, um... There is a few little niceties. Um, on this conversation where they're talking to Barf, who's one of the X-Men characters, apparently. He's actually an Inhuman, because oh, the Inhumans me. are so fetch. Yeah, oh, forgive me for mixing up the X-Men and the, un- and the Unhumans. But yes. Yeah, you got to remember which one Marvel wants to promote in the name of corporate synergy. Yeah, they... um. They do a solid job of giving a sense of where all the characters are by maintaining um, page direction. They um, they keep uh, the Sam Wilson Captain America on the left of the page and Barth generally on the right of the page. So even though they don't do much in the way of backgrounds, they seem to be, like, where they are standing in relation to each other seems to be, like, consistent and easy to get a hold on between each of the panels. Um, they also do, yeah, they do a, like, it sounds like basic stuff, but I've seen it done badly. Um, they do a similar thing in the next scene where Captain America explains the magic MacGuffin, where in the, uh, present tense, in the, yeah, present tense scenes, uh, Tony's always on the right facing left talking to the group. Where in the scenes in the past, 
he's all he seems to always be on the left hand side of the panel facing right which is a cute little trick it is so i guess the best that's the best we can hope for in this cute little tricks amidst work that's largely standard well yeah this the back half of this comic is people talking and so main Maintaining a basic sense of where everyone is in the room is about what you can hope for. There's not too much in the way of action. Well, there's a two-page sequence of the Avengers freeing the Inhumans from their prison, which just doesn't have any particular fight choreography beyond different panels of different Avengers beating up Hydra goons and smashing walls. Yeah, there's three pages of speech which cut between the random Avengers and the Sam Wilson Captain America. And then you've got like two pages of pictures of random X-Men fighting Hydra goons. And... Yeah, it's like a weird montage of... And then we had an exciting action scene. It's a shame you couldn't be there. Right. That exciting action scene was the prophecy from Civil War II that Miles Morales, Spider-Man, would kill Steve Rogers. And that's literally taken from the main series. Oh, yeah. It's like a completely different artist, and they've just... Andrea Sorrentino did the really star- stylized art with a lot of spot black lighting for that. And it's, I think those images are striking in in isolation, in context. It's just yet another thing you have to adjust to when reading this comic. Yeah, it's... um. Between a speech from Nazi Captain America, a speech from uh, Sam Wilson Captain America, and then a big conversation where Tony explains the magic MacGuffin. It's hard to squeeze all that much out of this. Well, last week when we talked about the filler arc on Seven to Eternity, that was at least an arc with that was planned that and a complete sequence done by a different artist. So regardless of your opinion on who was better, James Heron or the series artist Hiromo Pena, it was done in such a way that it felt like there was a narrative reason for it, and it didn't affect the reading. In this case, we've got art on assembly line where they might not really they probably didn't even need to bother having Jesus size as top billing because he's not doing the coloring like he usually does there's two other people credited on art in which the line work and the figure structure shift Maybe if I went to Marvel directly to ask, they'd tell me which parts were done by what person, but... Hell, you could hit up Jesus on social media. Maybe he'd tell you. 
I'd prefer to leave him out of this. I'm going to get his work on Avengers when it comes out after this wretched crossover is over. But that's hoping that it'll be his work entirely. Eh, fingers crossed. Well, also we should note that when we're counting the length of the speechifying of both Captain Americas, they have about the same length of speech, right? Uh, three pages, one of them being a splash, and three pages, one of them being a... S- yeah. Yeah, which... I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious at this point that Steve Rogers is the bad guy, but in this week, maybe I'm sensitive to it seeming like a bit of false equivalence, like giving them the same amount of space to give their spiels. Yes, the uh, the framing sequence for this episode is that, for this issue, sorry, is that on this day there were two speeches told, and then there's a... Uh, rather generic uh, like evil Captain America saying, oh, we will take what is ours, ah. And then there's a generic uh, speech from good Captain America who's like, well it looks like we're beat, but it's time to really rally It's rally together and earn all those points in the second half of this football game. I mean, fight Hydra. Christ. I haven't been uh, following the earlier episodes of, sorry, the earlier issues of this uh, crossover, but the uh, Captain America, the evil Captain America's speech does seem to be sort of like straight up, like there doesn't seem to be much wiggle room for him not being the bad guy. Although I have heard that's been a recent development in the in the story. Well, they haven't. They have. They have been more straightforward in showing him as the bad guy since Secret Empire itself started. But in the earlier issues, they'd show like how he regrets having to turn on friends or how he's outraged about the Red Skull, who he, at the time he was working for, having a racist agenda instead of just... Uh, all-inclusive form of fascism, which no longer really holds water given how he's putting in humans in camps. Um, And, of course, how most of the earlier comics with Steve Rogers as a Nazi were flashback sequences to his new memories of his childhood and being raised in a Hydra camp and learning the ins and outs of their philosophy and their ideals. Yeah, that that sound that sounds like it sucks. But to sort of sum up what to what we think about the art, I think there's a few pages where I think the coloring really comes together. Like the the conversation with Barf seems to have a solid color palette that ties it all together, as does the Namor section at the end. It's a shame that um, there's also this. Um, the two pinups with the Captain Americas at the beginning of their speeches are fairly striking. One is mostly because of a composition thing, and then it's got a lot of, like, spot blacks. Well, Captain America Sam Wilson has the impressive 
stance with the camera angle looking up a bit from the ground. And the sun directly on his left shoulder. Right. And the the evil Captain America, he's got, like, it's all a painting. Like, his first page, which it's jarring with the rest of the style of the comic, but I I think it's a striking image. It is. It looks kind of like a framed painting that he'd have commissioned for himself. Yeah, it's just a shame that these solid, like these, there's a few solid sections, and it's just the same that in between them there's just some basically kind of like standard and rote stuff going on. Like this X-Men fight is just mostly reds everywhere. That's, and you can't tell where anything is. Yeah. For the vast majority of this comic... How, in terms of simple page space, how much do you think you could condense this without losing any emotional weight or narrative impact? Well, we already know this doesn't really have emotional weight, but mm, I, like, I don't know. There's this, there's this one page with um, evil Captain America, and he's like looking at what seems to be a control screen. And it basically... Right, this is the one with him actually in his Captain America uniform, which is, this probably should have been the first clue that he was coming back evil, because it's one of the worst fashion crimes in Marvel history. Oh, that could be, ex- could be extended to a lot of superhero characters. But yeah, this it up... could, but Captain America has one of the simple, most iconic, and most visually consistent while still being flexible designs. And this, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like, it's solid blue except for white stripes on the fronts of his arms, on his biceps, and a little bit of white and red going down from his pecs to his hips. Plus, there's like a few brown straps on his boots, but the boots are mainly black. And the texture, there's like visible seams at some points, but not others. His abs are completely flat, but you can see like hexagonal sections on his thighs. And yeah, if I had to describe this costume, it would be. Like, if you were doing a story about the dude who designed the Captain America costume, you'd need a few examples, like, that he tried before he got the real thing, and this would be one of them. I'm guessing this is supposed to look more like the movie costume, except that this is not a movie. Yeah, this seems You don't that. need to have more complex textures. You don't need end patterns. Yeah, it's... Although they do use that hideous Iron Man costume that you love so much. Well, that... You're talking about the classic Iron Man where it looks like liquid metal muscle? That's one way to describe it, yes. I would say it looks like a man with his arms and legs painted yellow. Well, you can tell there's a lot of spot black work creating the cirations on his, his 
arms and legs. And you can see visible mass added to areas of the armor. I mean, we've already had this argument before in Facebook. Yeah, we've. And it's harder to defend here because this isn't even Iron Man per se. This is a hologram who somehow animated an empty suit of armor that is about as dense as claw to to walk and move like normal. Yeah, me and Neil have had arguments about this suit before. My position remains that it doesn't make any sense for a metal suit to conform to like the muscles in an arm because then it would be too rigid to actually move. Well, or- it's chainmail woven at like a microscopic level. And so it has the te- same texture as cloth in term on the inside, just on the outside. It's shiny enough to look like a mi- liquid metal texture. Yeah, uh, the microscopic chainmail is about when we usually start yelling at each other. But we'll we'll save that for this episode. Also, I think you're being a bit hard on it because it's unlike either... Nazi cap or Falcon cap's armor, the classic Iron Man armor, you actually get a sense of what it is when you look at it on a squint test. Like, both Sam and Nazi Steve have more complicated designs that don't really sing. Yeah, that's that's fair. Although there, is, there are some shots where Sam Wilson's suit kind of works. Kind of works, but it's still an uphill battle because he's basically wearing the classic Captain America outfit, except he's got like this half mask in all white that shows his hair, plus red goggles, and there's like some straps on his shoulders and across his chest. So it's red, red, a lot of white and blue, whereas Nazi Cap's costume is blue and a little bit of red and white. So it's better than that one. Oh, and there's knee pads on the, that are very visible on this for some reason. Yeah, and yeah, so... I think that's all we can really say about this issue. It's It very much feels like, oh, it's been ages since I've read one of these, but one of the issues in between parts of a major crossover. Yes, it's why I comics, other than what I read for this comics, are not what I spend the most time on anymore. So, other, so in... A few years ago, this might have been the default of the kind of thing I'd be reading in my spare time. Nowadays, it's more about the visual novels with dating sim elements that usually focus on magic realism and adorably terminally ill young women. Yeah, he's he's not kidding, folks. He's been he's been alluding to that. He's been sending me messages messages alluding to this during the week, and I don't know. Just look for the anime Clanad, C-L-A-N-N-A-D, on Amazon Prime. It's definitely a 
really interesting experience that you may find really powerful, or you may not. Well, we've reached the part in this comic discussion where we've started recommending anime dating sims, so I think that's a sign we should move on to Divided States of Hysteria, number three. Anime, anime based on dating sims, but structured around a particular path and girl. So moving on. Oh, forgive me. But yes, Divided States of Hysteria is an odd one. Is As near as I can tell... In previous issues, there was a terrorist attack which blew up all of New York, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. From what I... I went back and looked a little bit bit up about this comic, and the terrorist attack was done by Muslim women with bombs mounted in their wombs. And this is the fourth time when I have seen a story with booby-trapped womb as an important plot point. So it would have been this one, but Nemesis, and what are the other two? Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes. Oh, uh, yes. Where Snake is put in the coma because Paz had a bo- couple bombs, yeah. one in a place they'll never look by Skullface. Yeah, I... And the last one is South Park, but... Oh, At least yeah. there, it's kind of expected. Yeah, and I, yeah, I cannot absorb the plot to Metal Gear. Well, in this one, we go from the womb bombing that destroys New York to the a counter terrorist agent who failed to stop the previous bombing, assembling what's effectively a suicide squad of various criminals who are broadly stereotypical in different ways, fighting the cabal that organized this, which involve other stereotypes. In this case, the people who mastermind the attack are a Russian oligarch, a American white supremacist, a black separatist, and a Islamic terrorist, because apparently these people who all would hate each other beyond any chance of allegiance and cooperation are perfectly fine teaming up when it comes to taking down America. Yes. In a world where all of the worst racists team up to destroy America... The only thing that can stop them is a good team of racists. Right, so on the quote-unquote good guys team of racists, we have a Jewish man who launders a homosexual mafioso hitman, another black separatist, and the only character in these who is semi-sympathetic a trans woman who killed some people in self-defense when they were trying to gang rape her yeah I don't you say uh, sympathetic but wait no no she does use a slur when they get all the team of good racists together they start like fighting each other because 
I guess that's what racists do. I don't know. I guess it feels a little direct. It's like, okay, you're in a team, and they immediately start punching and tasering each other. Yes, and we thought the superhero comic, an overly simplistic view of how people with ideological differences interact with each other. But at least... And also, at at the ending, we can see Chrissy, the trans woman, trying to seduce Frank, the CIA agent, which I guess is a step up because she doesn't look like a traditional biologically female woman, but she's still playing the stupidly obvious femme fatale role that women in Howard Chaikin comics do. It's hard to know what to make of this comic. It felt a lot like a fever dream reading it, uh, particularly because they've got this hideous effect on all but one page where... Um, if, if you imagine the page is divided into three tiers, which I think almost every page is. There's uh, some yeah, There's some interesting craft and motifs in this, so it, it definitely has that above the other comic when it comes to reading it for the pictures. Yeah, there's a, a, few, a few things. Uh, the first is, at the top of each tier, they've got, look, uh, like a string of random characters. I think it's supposed to indicate binary code, except without just ones and zeros. Like, this is to show the connected nature of society. Yeah, they've got, like, it'll be like a string of characters that are white with a they're like white with a green outline and a drop shadow and they'll be in Don't forget the random status updates from Facebook and Twitter that you aren't even legible. Yeah, there's the short like screenshots that are semi transparent of like Twitter and Facebook and what have you updates. And so yeah, like three times across the page you got this scroll of just gibberish data, as well as the um, the caption boxes are blue with a red outline, a red drop shadow, and inside the blue there is this white, faint white crisscross pattern, and the letters themselves are white with a black drop shadow, and also there's a, a ton of things, well I'm looking particularly at this a scene of the Russian Russian oligarch's house. There's like this really grainy texture thrown over the couches, and there's like a swirly texture over the floor and the coffee table. Well, grainy textures are kind of a Howard Chaikin thing, something that he hasn't really removed from his work since his early days, but hasn't really adjusted well to digital coloring. Yeah, there's um yeah, there's a there's a lot going on is what I'm saying, between all the like the like typographic stuff with the string of characters and the caption boxes and there's also textures on every page it seems. Uh even it seems in this uh, scene where the bad guys are out at a nightclub, there's like a grainy uh, texture over like whole panels. Well, that at least creates within a nightclub a 
good seedy texture, but when you see it like just across faces, it's pretty distracting. It works a lot better as a background element than as a figure element. Yeah, and also he's done like dry brush in a few of the places and a little bit around the faces. The faces. He's had like a dry ink brush to get like a really scratchy texture. Still, it's... One thing I did notice is you said this was like a fever dream, but did you have any problems figuring out what was going on in this comic a few issues in? Oh, a little, but it almost felt intentional. Like, this is a world that's gone so crazy, and everyone's fighting each other, and it's hard to get a hold of what's going on, and here's some Facebook and Twitter stuff that you can't quite read, and... Well, that much is definitely intentional, and it does, you do get, like, individual panels for each member of the respective racist groups, the bad racists and the good racists, so that... Christ, this is a you know, comic. It does... Oh, yes, but at least there's a lot of craft going into this piece of shit. Yeah, I noticed, yeah. um, if you, like, it, I'm reading in Comixology displayed two pages at a time, and, like, the right-hand side will be the main CIA guy, like, interrogating one of the good racists. And then you turn the page, and then the right page again will have exactly that layout. Like, the top tier is a shot of a location, followed by a close-up of the person he's interrogating. And then the second panel is always a two-shot of the two of them at a table and chair. And the third tier is an over-the-shoulder shot looking at the person being interrogated with a close-up of the CIA guy. And then that happens again, and then again. So, yeah, it's one of the few like moments where you can discern kind of a pattern where everything else tries to be as hard to read into as possible. That and... The characters are visually distinct from each other in a way that you don't don't often see in American comics. I mean, like there, the problem is that a lot of those visual distinctions <coughs> are designed to promote their otherness. So, like we can the the black separatists on both sides are bit you can te- are distinct from the others they're even a bit distinct from each other like the one they got on the the good black separatist oh god i hate myself for having to say this looks a bit taller and beefier with a thicker jaw yeah Chaikin seems to avoid same face by being unafraid to make his characters fat. Right. Well, the the ta- the homosexual Italian hitman is quite a bit paunchy. I guess he's supposed to be a greasy stereotype, like the Jewish m- money launderer has like thick nerd glasses and graying temples and more wrinkles on his face and chubbier cheeks and this CIA agent and but again none of these characters 
are good people. I think maybe two are even slightly sympathetic only by virtue of not actively murdering people. And really, I hated reading this when I was reading it before the Charlottesville tragedies, and now it feels a lot like Donald Trump blaming all sides for the actions. Yes, because fascism is bad, but also being against fascism is bad really makes you think. Yeah, it's that kind of attitude that assumes all crimes are equal and all racially motivated crimes are equal. So, like, it's important to notice that there are black separatists in this comic, even though the vast, 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 vast majority of hate crimes in America are white supremacists. Yeah. But, um... Oh, God. Which I guess... And Chaikin seems to pride himself on being an iconoclast. Like, at the back of this, in the letters page, he's got this long spiel bitching about how the cover he did of a murdered and castrated Muslim man was rejected from publication because of us oversensitive liberals. But what is he saying in this comic beyond like some feeble can't we all just get along statement that people shouldn't fight each other yeah it's oh i just i I turned to the first page of this thing and there's a shot of a crowd being fired upon and there's this it seems like white paint flecked on a white background like that's the seems to be the background of it it's like oh jesus this thing is very visually busy and note how we don't get anything about any of the victims of these tragedies. Yeah, it's like I like reading this. It it didn't really. I think I was uh, talking to a friend about it. That's right. I have other people I talk to about comics, but I think I described it as us. It felt like Scott Pilgrim, but with Fox News instead of video games. Like, because it doesn't really focus on, like, the victims of any of these crimes, and there's, like, vague allusions to, oh, New York exploded in a terrorist attack. All of it. All of New York. And... Well, people actually might be interested in visiting a world where video game logic runs the entire cosmology, where bat people who are designated as bad guys explode into coins when defeated. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. Scott Pilgrim is a funner read. But because, like, yeah, this... It's all over the shop and it tries to hit you with, like, text... Like, random text everywhere and tons of textures and cutting back and forth and a team of four good racists and a team of four bad racists. It's like... I kept thinking, how much of this is, am I supposed to be taking literally, and how much is just, like, Fox Newsy stuff that's filling the gaps? And I don't know, if you've ever wanted to crawl inside your, 
like uncle's head after he spent the day watching like the oh the O'Reilly O'Reilly factors cancelled, isn't it? Or whatever they've got on Fox and also the Taken movies. This is about what you'd get. I don't know, it's almost interesting to imagine the mind that created this. I can imagine Taken's mind pretty well and he's definitely an old-fashioned liberal, the kind who goes on and on about how identity politics are destroying this con- country and how we should all just be part of the melting pot. I, I Perhaps I'm unfamiliar with that kind of liberal. Oh, God, I just, I just saw this thing that uh, when the good racists are fighting, there's a speech balloon with where one is choking the other and there's this horrible blood splatter effect behind the speech balloon and then the border of the speech balloon is also a blood splatter effect. Wow, that's like shit tier Photoshop. But it has to be deliberate, right? There's like there's so much random text everywhere. There's so many like horrible jarring like textures on everything it has to be intentional oh yes this is a very deliberate comic we can give it that at least over the other one which is just kind of cobbled together yeah like like captain america is like a like a bad to mediocre comic that is pushed out because like there was a hole in a schedule but this this is there are on like the page before that, like if you from the where the horrible blood splatter is, if you turn the page to the left, there's this overhead shot of a house, and the house is super cartoony, like drawn with a line tool in Photoshop, and it's next to a beach, which looks like a straight up photo of the ocean. Right. Uh, yeah, it's sorry if it feels like like it's hard to absorb all of this. Should we start wrapping up? Because we have better stuff next week, I promise. Yeah, this um, Divided States of Hysteria is... is weird. It's... I don't know, it doesn't... I don't think it really works narratively. But it sort of gives you a weird feel of someone who watches a lot of cable news. (sighs) Yeah. Well, what do we have next week? I know that I picked Dark Knight's Metal, the DC Comics crossover by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Yes, and to go with it, I chose Secret Weapons, number three, which is the Valiant Comics crossover. We're going to have a big crossover week, and that was written by Eric Heiserer. I'm sorry for that one. Uh, art by Raul Allen and Patrick Martin. And yes, it'll be interesting. We um, looked at a tie-in to a big crossover today with Captain America 25. And tomorrow we'll be looking at the main uh, titles for crossovers from other companies. So we'll see if they are similarly bogged down with problems of 
having to cram a lot of dialogue and bridge plot points that are holding up a whole line of comics. Or perhaps they'll have just enough room to do their own thing and do something interesting. Before you go, where can we find you online, Neil? Oh, right, sorry. I am at wirecats.com, W-Y-R-E-C-A-T-S.com, with 100% fewer Nazis. Yes, and you can find my stuff at daveclarkart.com. And until next time, see ya. Bye.